Yeah, 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 yeah. Wazi Circus Radio. Welcome back, guys. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by WaziCircus.com and Learn to Skydive Austin.com. Uh, some of the rules of success are surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. And I have done that. And that's how I found my guest today. Uh, he is a skydive guru, an industrial engineer who uses his engineer brain to create the most creative FS, big and small formations I've ever been on. Uh, my guest, my mentor, Mark Farr. How are you, buddy? I'm great, Waz. Thanks for that intro. I'm blushing already. such an honor to have somebody of your caliber in the studio um you've lived 50 lives it seems like <laughs> from reading from uh korean martial arts to working for one of the presidents or working in the white house uh skydiving with me right uh building big ways doing vr jumps organizing a vr team for iFly. like you do not stop and you still have a full-time business to run yeah far better solutions and uh it it pays the bills as right. much as I can, and the wife does quite a bit for us, and we right. do it together. Nice, man. Nice. All right. How long have you been skydiving, Marky? Um, 41 years. <laughs> 41 years. It'll be a 41-year anniversary the 27th of August. Twenty. Really? Yeah. 41. 41. What did you do last year for your for you? I forgot that it happened. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to do anything this year? Uh, going to Pensacola, Florida to celebrate Gwen's birthday, who's the 27th as well. Okay. Just wild coincidence, wow. I made my first jump on her birthday. Wow. And she's having a special birthday this year. We're flying to Pensacola and spending the weekend with the son. That's awesome. Lovely Gwen Farr. That is awesome. And how many? How long has she been jumping? She uh, 42 years. She was jumping before you did? She started in 76 in in northern Canada. She started in Canada the year I was born. <laughs> <laughs> so when, how many jumps did she have when you met her? She had about 1,500, I think. Holy sh When you met her? When I met her. Oh, okay. But you just the jumps. You guys didn't meet through immediately. We met, we met yeah. Scott Iving in Anchorage, Alaska. In Anchorage, Alaska. She was there with her uh, first husband. Okay. And... Real small, small skydiving community, mm -hmm. and I went up there on some business opportunities and showed up at the drop zone in my spandex and <laughs> coming fresh from Paris, California, Right, and they Looking looked cool. at me like, what in the hell is this California boy doing here? <laughs> Shredding. <laughs> and so we, uh, we helped to introduce them to a little bit faster fall rates than they were uh -huh. using at the time. They still had the big... The big suits. The big, big orange baggy suits I see there and that right there. Well, that those orange baggy suits that you see in that picture there, that is from a uh, TV commercial. Ford Ranger pickup skydiving commercial. Okay. Oh, and there's a Ranger in the back of the truck. Yeah, in okay. the back of the truck that I worked on back in the 80s. 
and there's a, a few famous names in there. Uh, Ray Cunningham is there in the red jumpsuit. Photographer extraordinaire, Tom Sanders. Tom Sanders, okay. All righty. And a whole bunch of, bunch of different guys. Man, that's awesome. How many of the guys that um, you began with are still around? Yeah, Active. I made my first jump in a little drop zone outside of Washington, D.C., which isn't there anymore, Hartwood, Virginia, with our guy and I got a wild hair up our ass and said, hey, that looks like fun. Let's try it. So we went out and tried it. Actually ended up making three static line jumps that day. Mm, nice. <laughs> and made 16 jumps in Virginia, got out of the military, landed at Elsinore, California in 78. All right. So summer of 78. And you showed up with 16 jumps? Showed up with 16 jumps, still doing clearing poles. Yeah. Eyes wide, though. And uh, went from a 182. Mm hmm. In a drop zone with a bunch of trees to a wide open lake. Right. And there was a team practicing for the Nationals. Back back then it was Tenway was the thing. Okay. So Air Freight was the name of the team. And the DZO who was doing air judging for that Tenway team was also the chief instructor. Uh, I'd show up at 7 o'clock in the morning when the team showed up. They'd crank up the DC-3 after, after we pulled the props through because all the comps were out of the DC-3, and I'd get a front-mounted reserve, and I'd line up three <laughs> piggybacks. And on the way to altitude, because they were getting out at 8.5, on the way to altitude, I did my student progressions with them chucking me out the door. The team. The team. So, the <laughs> <laughs> so you know, yeah. no peer pressure. Right, so right, here, right. Here's the world competition level team that's, looking at this idiot going out the door and I'd grab my stuff uh -huh. walk or run back they'd land they'd pack some were jumping rounds they were just jumping squares it's a 78 right and um, grab the reserve hook on again go up and do another one okay okay you said a lot there's gonna be a lot in just that one story you are so old school skydiving <laughs> it's awesome I can't believe this all right so air judging there were no cameras. No. 78, air judging. Did you guys hear that? Dude had to jump out and he had to take his word. <laughs> right? Yeah, Basically, because yeah, people from yeah. the ground could kind of see, but... Yeah, but they didn't have anybody on the ground with telemeters to clock them. So as the exit started, he chased them, and as the block, last dock would happen... That was it. And he'd count them in his head and land and air judging. Yeah. Yeah, we're all, wow, that's come a long way. A little bit. Um, DC-3. That was the plane of skydiving, right? It was. That was the workhorse. That was the workhorse. And they're not around anymore. I wonder why. There's a few of them. Radials are hard to maintain. Yeah, right. All right. So the last DC-3 right, probably was built in 55. I'm not right. real sure on those dates, but right. most of the ones that we jump out of, mm -hmm. um, like we did last year at the... Yeah. At the air show. That's actually on the intro of uh of the podcast is is that jump. That, yeah. That what a magic awesome. jump. And we're yeah. gonna talk about that here in a second too. <laughs> the magic skydives you've taken me on are just amazing. But we gotta get back to the first thing in nineteen seventy eight. What the hell's a piggyback? You said <laughs> I grabbed my three piggybacks and got the static like, what was the piggyback? And, and what was RW? Because there was not a lot of it going on when I first started. I started a style and accuracy drop zone. Okay. Harry Schopel, Clay Schopel, people that nobody 
that would listen to this podcast ever heard of. <laughs> the guy had won the world style and accuracy the year before. Oh, and okay. that's what they were all about. Mm. And RW was just starting. There was another drop zone, uh, Southern Cross, that was outside of D.C. and Maryland area that was more RW, but this that's the one I started at. Um, when you were in Maryland, was that a, the traditional static line, or was it instructor? Yeah, yeah, yeah It was yeah, the yeah. clip on and go. <sighs> Did you start hang, on rounds? Hang from the strut. Yeah. I started at a 28-foot round canopy. 28-foot round canopy. Spring-loaded, uh, no, no spring-loaded reserve. No. Put, put your hand over it, pull the ripcord, reach in, dig the canopy out, and throw it in the opposite direction of the turn. <laughs> of the turn. They're just guaranteed you have a turn. Like, yeah. Holy cow. So you did, yeah, I've, I've seen those. My friend Gina Norzai jumped like six rounds once just for picture. And, yeah, she had to hand feed them out one by one. That yeah. is just nuts. That is nuts. And uh, they, it, was, uh, it wasn't the old Cape Wells, but it was the shot and a half. Right. That's what we had. You, you, didn't, you didn't lose the reserve. I lose the main. You just dump the reserve into it. Into it, it, right. It was shorter. It wasn't getting tangled anyway. <laughs> Uh, and a damn cap well is a metal box on your shoulders that you got to pull, cap pull open. Yep. It's the old cutaway systems. Right. That's why the three rings are so, so awesome and important because we don't have to do that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a one one shot go. And in the uh, the pictures of the, the truck commercial, the Ranger Ford, we actually built a five ring the cutaway release system but the biggest ring was a forged steel ring that was about 12 inches in diameter, worked down smaller. And that's what connected the 25-foot drogue chute to a 100-foot cargo chute that was in the bed of that truck. Okay, so they didn't crash the truck in. Uh, we crashed well, a you... few. <laughs> <laughs> we had to build some more. Okay, so the commercial was the truck lands and drives away. Yeah. Okay, but that, that didn't happen. And that happened. Uh, and the free fall activity of, yeah. you know, people pointing out features while it's in free fall, supposedly. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. That's pretty cool. That's creative. Yeah. How many trucks did it take? Uh, we Five trucks. Holy shit. <laughs> I'm sure they weren't expecting that. Yeah, well, the producer wanted to, had to have a shot with it going out nose, nose first, and we said, it's not going to work. Right. Been there, done this. And, and it rolls. It rolls, and it rips the canopy off, and it went in nose first. You didn't take the engine out? Oh, of course, they oh, wouldn't no. drive. With, well, with um, advertising, it was off the showroom, drive it up. Oh, okay. What we did do is weld ramps on the bottom of it, and we did suspension points and how the parachute was rigged to it, but it was bone stock trucks. Wow. Haven't jumped with a vehicle yet. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> and flying around a 100-foot round parachute under right. canopy, oh, wow. it's got its own wake. And oh, I'm sure. It's like a building. Holy shit, that'd be fucking cool. Uh, so what's the piggyback? So, well... The piggyback was a um, the term when we started moving the reserves to the back. So the, the military gear with a front-mounted reserve and the main container on the back. And then Cirrus and a couple of other people came up with systems where they basically took the front-mounted reserve and connected it on the harness above what the, the lower container was. 
and you could move them and change them and whatnot, and that didn't last too long, fortunately. Right. And I can see that being re misrigged. Yeah, and then uh, people got better and better and smarter and smarter. Thank goodness. My first, the first canopy I owned was a Russian PC. A Russian round. Wow. How are your knees? <laughs> Fortunately, I didn't have to jump them too much. Okay. Yeah, I always ask those round guys that. How are your yeah. knees? Son? The uh, the worst round jumps I ever jumped were Piglet R2 reserves, mm -hmm. which the only thing more painful than landing one of those reserves or opening one of those reserves was going in, and not by much. <laughs> Just no breaks. Uh, it was it was a controlled descent of some sort, oh. but. You were at, if you weighed 140 pounds, yeah, you were okay. But if okay. you were 160 pounds, you were starting to push the envelope, and they opened really quick, but they were basically bulletproof, and I, I landed three of them. <laughs> so, um, how many years were you in the military? I was in the army three years. Three years, okay. And didn't didn't jump because of the military. Just happened to go do it for fun. Oh, okay, awesome. So then you show up in Elsinore with what, 22? 16 jumps. No, but you're 22 years old? Uh, 21. 21 years old, fresh out of the Army, ready to skydive. Wanting to skydive, wanting to figure out what to do with life, okay. Right. That was a plan that went on for a while, uh -huh. and now it's not. So yeah. I'm going to go back to school and try and skydive and finish a degree. And you did it. The skydiving. And the degree. No, I didn't finish the degree until I was 41. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I stopped and started a few times. Yeah, I mean, that's life. That's good to hear yeah. for people that want to, you know, think it's too late. It's not too late. No, it's not too late. Yeah, you're rocking. <laughs> yeah, man. Yo, um, so much to talk about. I want to talk about style and accuracy. Um, I want to talk about your house. That house was so <laughs> badass, man. I can't believe I've never seen a house that cool. Oh, and when I daydream about making it, I'm like, I want that house, not a house like it. I want a house built by an industrial engineer that put passion into it. That was an amazing house. Oh, I, thank you. I can't believe you sold it. Yeah. Guys, and I can't explain it enough. It was like walking into an elven paradise or something. The giant glass doors and the huge bathrooms and it was amazing. All right, forget the house. Style and accuracy. <laughs> um, so that's when they get out. It's 360 left, 360 right, front flip, front flip, dive or something? 360 right, 360 left, front loop, back loop, 360 left, 360 right, front loop, back loop, end of time. They do that series in about, I was trying to remember on the way down here, six seconds. The Masters. There's still, schism is still going on. There is, right. some of that's still happening. It's a very small group of folks. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, wasn't my thing. Uh, did you ever think about crew? I did crew. I was actually on the cutting edge of crew. You were a crew dog. I was a crew dog. Jumping units. Secu right. GQ security units. We were doing those are those, can those are canopies? Yeah, those are canopies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had... We were doing all sorts of mix-ups. We had double keel dactyl, strato stars, strato mm -hmm. clouds, mm -hmm. units those. all mixed together in yeah. a stack. Wow. Um, what was the largest stack you've done? Uh, probably six. Have you ever been wrapped? I have. <laughs> and have you wrapped some body? I have been fairly significantly enveloped it wasn't a full wrap people having to cut away but there right. was a whole lot of stuff all around me right right and it's like be cool 
Just be cool. Just be cool. Right, this, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be okay. Right. And so, been through that. So, what we're talking about is um, crew is when two canopies, more than two canopies, whatever, uh, fly together and do relative work and dock on each other, which is a little ridiculous. And to get wrapped means something went wrong with your buddy's canopy. And he cut away, and now you have your buddy's canopy <laughs> uh, around, <laughs> your, you around your body. In the way of doing things that you need to do to save <sighs> your life. To save and fly. <laughs> yeah, crew scares the shit out of me. Like, I'd just rather go angle fly and swoop. Um, I have much respect for crew dogs. I've done one jump, and it, I just didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Because you felt out of control. And, yeah, I wasn't in control. The guy slammed his canopy into my legs and said, grab me. And I was like, ah. And then I let go and I was like, I'll never do that again. Right. <laughs> yeah, never do that again. We used to do a lot for demos and, and whatnot. We'd bring a down plane in and take it, take it as low as we uh, felt safe doing it and then land. You mean a down plane where your feet are hooked? Yeah. And when you're you, both going yeah, down? When you... It starts as a regular plane. Okay. You pull a guy down in front, hook your legs together, interlock your legs, turn the parachutes off sideways, both canopies are diving towards the ground. You actually can steer it. You can do a left and a right because it flies together. And then let kick, lick, loose your legs and turn both into the wing. Oh, my God. That gives me anxiety, dude. Like, <laughs> hold on. So the guy, okay. You hit him with your canopy, his legs are in there, he slides down in front of you. What keeps the rear canopy from collapsing? There's, you're still one you're just, higher than the other, and okay. then you get it down far enough, and they then they go from here and plane up next to each other. They fly next to each other until one person does a right turn, one person does, does a left, left turn, and then it goes down. And then it goes that way, and it translates from all horizontal to all vertical. So riddle me this, Batman. How did the, how did the Army do the four-way downplane? Same thing. Are you serious? So they were just like, they were side by side docked and somebody reached over and they just kind of. You know, the the Canadian, the, the Skyhawks and the Army team, they put a lot of work and a lot of effort and they're jumping special canopies and. Yeah, but they're, they're, they're amazing. Yeah. There's a whole lot of people that I just, I just go, I am so not worthy. <laughs> right. They're much bigger cojones than I will ever have. <laughs> Yeah. You know, so much skill sets that we've come a long way. That's most guys I know, man. I'm like, I'm, that looks cool, bro. I'm not trying that. <laughs> I got to work. <laughs> All right. So you're in Elsinore. You're watching the Tenway team. Right. That left an impression on you, obviously. And it's lasted this entire time because you're like the best Tenway organizer ever. You and Sky Latinus. And who else is really out there pushing it like that? You know, just formations skydiving. Yeah. There are some people that are totally awesome. Um, I was real fortunate to, to be from San Diego, so I was at the Paris crowd. I was at the Elsinore crowd. Um, we started doing bigger stuff, and there was the real strong East Coast camp as well. Right. So some of the mentors, some of the people that I grew up around were the Guy Manises and the uh, Roger Ponce and Kate Cooper and Tony Domenico and uh, Jeff Jones and... So we had the two different organizations, and I've been having a lot of fun the last couple of years doing Guy Wright stuff. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Guy Wright. Yeah. And so he's really cool, and I enjoy working with Scott Latinus. He's got some good organizing abilities. And, yeah. Um, BJ Worth used to DJ do some Worth awesome stuff. BJ Worth was awesome, yeah. Yeah, BJ Worth. They, they still do a 
ceremony or something for him up in Dallas for BJ. I think he does. Does he still organize? Uh, he he used to come down and he and Larry Henderson used to Larry. do a thing together. Yeah. And then BJ stopped making the trip down and Larry's continued on. They just they just did uh, forty five ways. Oh, nice. Yeah, Larry Henderson, he's the yellow suit dude, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can find him. There's no way you're not you going to find him. him. Right on. So when did you start organizing? And how many nationals have you been to? How many teams have you been on, Mr. Farr? Well, that's interesting story. I took the path less traveled. Okay. Um, so there, here I am at Elsinore uh, doing the thing, trying to figure out how to skydive and Elsinore floods, and we have to relocate the drop zone. We went through three floods. And we could, it, there was, it was real, the two different drop zones were real different at the time. Elsinore was pretty clean, pretty, a little bit uptight, very formalized, and a lot of rules. Paris was pretty outlaw at that time. You know, it has completely switched. Oh, yeah. It oh, has yeah. done a complete 180, because that's not what I've seen. Right. <laughs> that's not my experience so at all. it was the parasites, and it was yeah. a whole lot the of... parasites. Did you guys hear that shit? <laughs> the parasites. That's funny. So uh, I chose to hang with the straighter crowd just because that's who mm -hmm. I was. Um, so Elsinore, yeah. At Elsinore. Learning how to skydive, eventually got hooked into static line instructing. Mm -hmm. Me too. Packing parachutes. You know, pulling, the DZ life. Yeah, doing that and trying to do school and figuring out how to get through this world. And, what a and, ride, man. And then in uh, late 81, they... Uh, Ken Coleman was starting to roll out AFL. And okay. they formalized and hosted, in early 82, hosted the very first AFF instruction program in Z Hills. Ken, really? Yeah. Um, Z Mike Hills. Jo Mike Johnson. Skydive City. And uh, another gentleman did the first school in Z Hills as a, as a trial for USBA. And they certified a crew of great people. And wow. then... Month and a half later, we did one at uh, Paris. A course. A course. And, and what were the requirements to get in that course? You had to have 500 jumps. Uh huh. You had to have done X number of static line uh -huh. courses and students. Okay. And so I was a little bit short and ran around and did some stuff and got cleared. And there was a crew of about 12 of us. Um, Jerry and Pat Swoblin, Mike Wheeler, Bill Johnson, myself, Bob Buer, um, that all got certified there in early 82. And Mike Wheeler, Bill Johnson, and I started up AFF 1982 at Elsinore. Holy cow. So you were in the first group of AFF instructors. The second group, the second well, training, but the first pool, the, the, first the pool. pilot programs. Yeah. yeah. Wow, Mark. And, and I was actually, because I took off to do a test, I was actually, yeah, I won't say that, that's bragging. But uh, so we started thing up, and Mike, um, I mean, Bill Johnson and I actually sewed, went to Gary Derese's shop there in Elsinore and sewed up an RWPC. An RWPC parachute, uh, a pilot chute. No, not so, a pilot chute, a main canopy, a relative work. Paracommander for our lightweight people and stuck it in a hand bearing rig with a low pole reserve 
and FXC AAD. Oh, Jesus, FXCs. And Radio Shack Radios. Uh huh. Which right. is still around today. And started doing AFF. <laughs> you and guys sewed up a canopy. We sewed a canopy, put some test jumps on it, and said, Give it to the girls. Give it to the girls. And the fat boys, uh-huh. we had a double keel pterodactyl. A double keel pterodactyl. A double keel dactyl, main canopy for the big boys, which is a triangular shaped canopy. That's what I was going to, I didn't want to say. Yeah, the, it's a triangular shaped canopy with a center line keel. You guys gave that to students? Yeah, that's what the students, because it's the only right way. What are you going to do, give them a square parachute? <laughs> Holy cow. I wish we could pull up a picture of the damn pterodactyl. So it's a novelty parachute now. When yep. people jump, you're like, "Look at that thing!" Yeah. You were giving, yeah. you guys are using it as a canopy. It as was a, it was canopy. in rotation. Yeah. You go, how the f- do you pack a pterodactyl? It's a pterodactyl with a P. Okay, whatever. Yeah, how do you pack them uh, carefully? <laughs> <laughs> Slowly. <laughs> it flat packed. It flat packed. Oh yeah, yeah flat packing. Flat- Jesus. It flat packed. Uh, you didn't have to hold tension on it, but uh, so it was. The real innovators at that time, they had a single keel dactyl. Mm-hmm. And if you wanted a really lightweight rig, they had a double single keel dactyl. And so when everybody, the rest of us were jumping 38-pound rigs, mm-hmm. these guys were jumping 14-pound rigs. Oh, so they're walking the plane oh, like, yeah, yeah, what up? <laughs> <laughs> that hasn't changed much, has it? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, you have any ambitions of free flying? You know, it's 63. Uh-huh. Um, it would be fun to do, but my shoulders really probably... Yeah, I think you could do it. Yeah. yeah. Man, if Maybe. you get your degree at 42, 41, you can learn how to free fly. Yeah. Come on, Marky. <laughs> I'll never say no. All right. Come hang out with me. You get sure. 10 minutes with me from the show. Right. And we'll start back progression. Okay. Because you're a monster on your belly. I've never seen you on your back. Actually, you have. You had me on my back. Did I? Yeah. How'd it go? It went pretty damn well. All right. Yeah, it went so well. So let's keep that shit moving. <laughs> um, so what's next for Mark Farr? What's, what's going on? Oh, I got the fun story for you with that double keel dactyl. Oh, got, come on. Bring it. I got, I got to uh, the whole thing about AFF and learning to do that. We had a gentleman in the AFF progression who was not a very good student, we'll put it that way. Right. And he had, in the old school progression, we had three levels with two jump masters, and then when you pass that, you got down to one jump master. All right, so he had gone It's still exactly the same. Three to four, and we bumped him back to three and back Uh up to four, and he was back on three, and I could tell by the look in his eye. I wasn't letting him go. The other guy had let go already. I wasn't letting him go. And at pull time, he was looking at me (laughs) with that stare that That, you know. Yes. You know. Not home. And it's like no response to signal, no response to Mm -hmm. signal. I'm on a reserve side. I don't want to put him out on reserve. Right. Not at this altitude. So I reach underneath and grab his main ripcord handle because we're still jumping. Right. Back in 82, we got requirements, solid ripcord handles. Grabbed it, and he rolls away from me. Oh, Jesus. And guess what happens next? He rolls up in his lines. He rolls underneath me. I go, how am I going to get out of this? I fly over the top of him. His spring loaded pilot chute wraps around my ankle. No shit. We're in free fall. 
horseshoe entanglement, his double keel dactyl pilot shoots my ankle. And is about to is about to deploy. <laughs> and it's up there. It's it can't deploy because I'm pulling it down this way, and he's pulling it. So down. it's out. Now the I, canopy's out in the wind. It's oh Jesus God. <laughs> And I kick once, I kick twice, and I know he's not doing over anything over there. Nothing. He's hanging there. I don't it didn't get to see it. And I went, this is really going to hurt if I dump. I know one leg's going to be much longer than the other one. What do you I might, do? You lose your fucking foot. So I, well, I tried it three times. Right, right, right. And I finally go one more time and kick my shoe off, and it managed to come off. And I pulled, and I was still, I was not that low, fortunately. And his parachute got open, not quite correctly, and he eventually cut through the lines and had to deploy his reserve. Well, that was on a lanyard, so the reserve deployed. He lived through it. He said, here's the rest of your money back. Go go take (laughs) a pinball, because bowling is too dangerous for you. Oh, my goodness. And just, okay, so when we say AFF, guys, it's called accelerated free fall. Up until the point of the class before Mark, everybody was hanging off the wing doing static lines. So you'd crawl out in the plane. I've talked about it on the show before. Head back, you let go, and the plane or an instructor deploys your parachute. These guys were the first batch of instructors that would actually grab a student and take them into free fall, which is a little ridiculous, right? If you think out of about DC-3s. It. Out of DC-3s. Out of Howard's. Okay. Out of Cessnas, out of Norseman. Right. Whatever plane was flying. Right. And so I learned on the, well, because I didn't do AFF, but I taught the seven level system at my drop zone. That, right. that lasted forever, what you guys had put together. Right. And now it's like category A, B, C, D. It's kind of confusing. It looks kind of spread out to get more money out of the student. I don't really understand it. But level one through seven is just the best way to put it, man. I, I, the way you guys had it was very clear and concise. Everybody knew what was going on, you know, but I don't know. They've, they've done what they've done with it. Um, what do you, what do you think of the new programs and, and how far it's come with the, like the teaching devices, the mock-ups, the videos? There is just an incredible amount of good tools that people have access to. The number one, I think what we have done really well is we learned how to teach the free fall skills the tunnel is amazing for teaching people um the the flight skills are just totally awesome what hasn't kept pace with that is the canopy no what do we do about that man? <laughs> <laughs> that's the next great opportunity yeah because um, e- even people with thousands of jumps it's bloody scary watching people <laughs> land parachutes they're not flying them, man. They're just they're just driving them yeah. or something. You know, they're like, oh, I don't know. They're too used to Teslas. <laughs> um, have the canopies, um, there's been less canopy fatalities in the last year or two, I believe. I feel like I've read less. No? I think, I think that's correct. Right. Looking at USBA numbers, I think yeah, that's, people have stopped that, hooking it in yeah, so that, much. That has reduced some. Now people are just flying into the ground in and, their wingsuits. Uh, yeah, that's true. Or and, speed flying. And, or speed flying. Or you know, we've we've transitioned the ways that we, we, we kill people ourselves. who are on the leading edge or the bleeding edge right. uh, are hurting themselves. Yeah, but if they're not out there on the edge, we'll never get forward. Right. 
So it's like sacrifices for the greater good, I guess. Uh, I've lost a lot of friends the last couple of years. Yeah. You know? That's a little nutty. I can't imagine how many jumpers you've had to say goodbye to. Uh, there's been a few. There's been a few. Uh, Most of them were uh, uh, airplane. Airplane crashes. Airplane crashes. Okay. Uh, I've lost 10 on a beach. No. It, uh, up, in California, up in California a lot of years ago. Yeah, so they I, lost the engine on takeoff or something? Um, no. It was uh, out of a guy who was – it was a boogie trip, and mm-hmm. airplane got out uh, – Twin Beach got out of balance. Oh, no. Yeah. Was it cargo maybe? No. No, it was all people. Who knows what was going on and in, who did what. Right. And, and a bunch of people climbed to the back – Oh, look at that out the window. And all of a sudden, the plane went out of CG. Wow. That's intense. Um, I've had a couple of friends on planes go in, but everybody's been okay. Yeah. I had the airplanes, man. <laughs> you know? That and the drive home. The dangerous parts yeah, of the Yeah, the dangerous sky parts of skydiving. <laughs> the most dangerous parts of skydiving. Ah, well, Mr. Farr, it's been an honor, my friend. Well, thank you for having me. Um, you got to talk about some old stuff that was happening when you were dude, running around was, short pants. Do you know how awesome and good that was for the community to hear? Like, people don't know. Like, uh, there's a rig at uh, one of the drop zones that one of the flaps doesn't really stay down on the right. On the, right? I'm like, dude, they didn't have flaps, son. No. Yeah, they didn't have any of this stuff, and they were killing it. Calm down. <laughs> Go skydive. Relax. Well, we, had the RW, we had the racer. When racers yeah. first came out. I saw a racer yesterday. The... Riser, there was a, a compartment for the main canopy at the bottom. The riser came out of the side of that, went up the inside of the backpack with a Velcro tab and over your shoulder. It was completely uncovered the whole distance. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and that was pretty technologically advanced at the time. So who was first with the awesome rig? Was it UPT with the Sweet Hog? Um... Yeah, I think I think I'd have to give the some of the best first ones. Yeah, that were more complete. He made some really ugly ones mm-hmm. to Bill Booth. Yeah, Booth. Um, and you've had a whole lot of people. Hank Asciutto made rigs that were trying to be innovative. There was ten thousand pounds of Velcro on each and every one. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, Sandy Reed. Reagan Innovations has just mm-hmm. done some incredible stuff. I had the opportunity to work for them for a while. Okay. Uh, when they first came out with the articulated harness, I was actually on staff with them at that time. Oh, that's awesome. Had some contribution that I named Flexon. Okay, very cool. And so it's I've I've had a really good run, keep and still running. Yeah, it's still not running. A, it's not any anywhere, anywhere near it. Um, twenty ways this year, or is it going to be next year? Uh, well, 20 ways has happened every year. Right. Is this, that's Duelo, right? Or is that something different? That's something different. Duelo is a yeah. 16-way team that competes at Oh, the that Nationals. was just a team. It wasn't an event. No. no Did no. they host events? No. Why do I remember people saying I'm going to Duelo 16-way events? Oh, they're probably just going to watch Duelo compete. Uh, I've been thinking it was a damn competition Yeah, no, time. it's Jack, Jack Burke and that crew, Jack. Uh, they're 22 years running. Yeah. That team. Okay. Because Colin Rhodes was on that team, I believe. At the yes, time. Yes. Yes. Right. Doug Fike. Fikey. You know, our locals, Doug Fike, yeah. David Bowen, 
David, shout out to Colin, David. Yeah. Have all spent some time on the team. And it's it's a pretty awesome group of folks. That is awesome, man. Um, please put me on your next organized setup. I will. Be happy to. Yeah. They, I've talked to uh, the Spaceland folks. Uh-huh. They'd like me to do some uh, organizing at the new Skydive Spaceland San, San Marcos. Marcos. <sighs> that's awesome. Yeah. Man, it's going to be a transition, but imagine what that's going to do for us. Oh, my God. We've got otters now. We've got airplanes. We've got, <laughs> uh, we, we can do we're events. We're big kids again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we can do it. Yeah, we can host giant events. We'll have multi-planes, multi-plane formation jumps, right? Yeah. Hopefully, they'll cut down that tree line and open up the landing area a lot. That was my suggestion to Christy West talking to her the other day. Yeah, that's the same I thing said, I said. Don't just roll in and start doing stuff. Talk to some of the people that know what the local conditions are right. and how it's a nemesis to us. So that tree line is you know nice to have trees nice rotor generators is what they are exactly what they are and to students it's already tight enough man yeah. you know so the boys are are beasts in this game they're going to come in and tear everything down and rebuild it better that's i've seen them do it at dallas you know i heard they they re um reinvigorated atlanta i, I did some organizing there and that the hangar's nice right it's clean it's boyd style you right, know it's right. a respectable place uh, people are kind of bummed. They think the fun's going to end. The fun's not going to end. Oh, no. I, I plan on turning the heat up. Yeah, hey, 50 slots uh, for trailers is is the rumor. 50 slots with power and water. Wow. So, okay, here's another rumor. The Boyds are moving to Austin. This is the new headquarters. <laughs> it's no longer Houston. We are the headquarters now. Oh, really? That's yeah. a big rumor. I hadn't heard that one. Yeah, well, if it's true, it's about to go down. <laughs> we are about to have all the lift. We're going to have sky vans, king airs, otters. It's going to be pretty nice. Restaurants. It's going to be pretty nice. We won't have, I don't think we'll have huge events here because we don't have a landing area unless they plan on buying a whole bunch of acreage. You know, you, you're mm-hmm. limited at Spaceland in Houston because of the landing areas and the lack of outs. You can't do large events there, Dallas. You can. Um, another rumor? You know the field on the right as you drive in? Yeah. We're getting that for a new landing area. That'd be nice. And th- that that call, that's it, right? And once if we had that full strip, that's big way events. We could divide that in half and have two separate groups. Right. Right? That's huge. And then have the third group or just camera land, whatever. People like coming to Austin. What's not to like about having <sighs> events here? You know, when I when I host events and invite people from Dallas and Houston and whatnot. Yeah, we love coming here. Yeah, yeah. It's a cool town. And nobody wants to go to Houston anyway. <laughs> I mean, you go to the drop zone and you get the hell back to the hotel or something. Yeah. You know, you just know, like, Austin, this is the greatest city in the country, I believe. I love this place. <laughs> and now we have Spaceland, baby. <laughs> That's it. I couldn't ask for more. Yeah. You know, we got a we got an innovative tunnel. We've got an innovative drop zone. This is about to be Mecca for a couple years. I'm I'm excited. And the community's lucky to have you driving what you do. You've you've touched a whole bunch of things and created a whole lot of energy and and joy and excitement for people. And so my hat's off to you for all you do. Well, thank you, Mark. I I couldn't do it without you. I mean, now we're just like throwing these back. But seriously, like um, when I started Flight Nights, uh, 86, 88 88 events ago, um, I really needed your help. Because I'm a free flyer. I didn't really know anything about belly, but there's more belly flyers than there are free flyers, and right. that's where the money was at. So I was like, I got to learn this. 
right? <laughs> so um, block after block and eye contact and tail and point and who's doing what and what's next and when to take grips. I didn't know any of that. I thought you just get out there and just grab each other. It's a science. Yeah, you guys right. are the wizards of the sport. I watch you dirt dive. I listen to you teach. I mimic you dirt diving. I mimic you teaching when I got my students. And we'll do it again. And we'll do it again, just like yeah. you. Right? Um, setting up in the door. Let's get it right. Let's not stumble around. Let's do it again. You know, where's the formation? Everybody slow down. Eye contact. <laughs> grip. It's awesome. Right? Like, um, those skills had to be learned. You're not just going to stumble across that. Like, oh, this is how I should do it. There's no way. You have to be... You can go jump it, and you're still not going to learn it, right? You need a mentor. Coaching is worth every penny, son, right? right? Getting a mentor in this skydive game is worth every second of it. Buy the dude some beer, man. You know, let him pick his brain. Listen to him talk about piggybacks and landing piglets and shit. <laughs> learn, learn where it came from uh -huh. because I learned from the other folks. You know, there was a lot of times I would just sit in awe of, Good stories, bad stories, personalities, and mm -hmm. you know, made those friends. Um, we've become a little skydiving has definitely changed. Not all for the better. Mm -hmm. The community, uh, people are too fast to get into their cars and go on to the next exciting adventure. Right. You know. Instead of yeah, um, some of the most jewels that I've most jewels I've ever received are at the campfire or on the packing floor late at night. Yeah. Sitting around like, what happened to you? No way, you wrapped your leg in this fucking pilot chute? <laughs> yeah, you rolled under me. Like, oh, what could we have done to prevent that? We'd, right. we'd talk about that. We, we'd, we'd pull out a rig and we'd pack it over and over again saying, what's easier to get in the bag? Getting in the bag sucks. What are we going to do, right? Like, if you don't spend that time, you don't really learn. Right. It's, do you think it's losing its lifestyle? Because it's just not more of a, it's easily accessible. It's not like it was before. The planes, you know, it's the gear. It's maybe it's just something some easy to do for fun as a pastime, and it's not really the dedicated. There are, there still are the groups that are dedicated. All right, if, and I can only speak from FS world. If you want to see how people do it right, go spend the time around airspeed, and the other people that are serious about training and doing what they do. Mm -hmm. um, there is so much to be learned and it's not just in skydiving it's in any sport it could be surfing it can be lacrosse or whatever sport you've got people that do it for fun and people that do it for a lifestyle or because they really want to be the best at it right and the lifers yeah and I would recommend to anybody that is getting into skydiving or any sport, but skydiving specifically. We've got so many different choices in skydiving now. You want to learn to angle fly. You want to learn the wingsuit. You want to do free, all of these things. Don't try and do them all at once. Right, exactly. Grab one. Exactly. Dedicate yourself wholeheartedly to that for six months or X number of jumps or whatever. But the, the people that come up to me and say, Mark, take me on a skydive. Teach me everything you know. And when I do that one with you, then the next one I'm going to go do an angle fly. It's like, no. You're not going to get it. You won't get it. You're not going to get it. I won't even figure out what you're doing or not doing after one skydive because you're so amped up about making that jump that you're not really going to do what you truly do. Right. So if people want to learn, 
make com- block commitments because you're not going to get it. Right. You're not going to get it. And same thing in the tunnel. People don't want to fly on their bellies. They don't want to master their backs. You know, they want to get to sit, and then they got to be on their heads. And then they can't take a dock on their belly. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And it's not only mainstream people, it's also instructors that you have that problem with. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Case in point. That's true. Yeah. Uh, and I'd say in Austin, we're pretty well balanced, though. I think because of flight nights, I make those guys get in. They have to turn points in their belly. So they, they, they have their skills. And I see them organizing jumps now. And it's, it's pretty cool. And I've seen our um, participants doing the flight night jumps in the sky. Gowie's organizing like wazzy blocks and stuff. It's that's it's cool, man. That is something cool that I've been part of. And you've been there since the beginning. You, Sam King, Jeff Gowie, uh, John Farrington. I miss John. Yeah, he's he's gone on and started doing other things. Probably flying his plane or something. <laughs> he's a very very yeah, busy man. Yeah, floating around a submarine or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People are gonna go what, what? submarine? Yeah, dude's got a submarine in his garage. I'm not, that, I'm not shitting you. That he and Monica are building <laughs> with their own two hands. No shit. I know a lot of cool people. That's why I have this show. I can't wait to have John on to talk about his submarine. Dude has a submarine in the middle of Texas. <laughs> Uh, awesome. Uh, Mr. Farr, where can they find you? Are you on any social media, Facebook? I'm, I'm on the... Facebook. Okay. Mark Farr on Facebook. That's the only one I'm running right now. Right on. Um, lots of cool pictures of formation skydiving, uh, interesting blocks. The VR blocks you put together were amazing. This guy will tell you to take a grip, stand here, and then grab that over there. And you're like, this doesn't seem like it works. You get in the sky, you're like, oh, that's the coolest picture I've ever taken. <laughs> and, and we had more. We, yep. we were ready to go, unfortunately. Uh, well, we can keep going. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll figure it out. Who has time? Well, it's all about priorities. Yeah. What, do you, what do you make priorities? Yeah, that's right. We'll end, we'll end on priorities, people. <laughs> uh, thank you to my guest, Mark Farr, Far Better Solutions. Um, join me next week for something cool, guys. Love you. Thank you.